trust my gut. Hello and welcome to Gutted. I am Elise. And I'm Tony and we're here to spill our guts about horror films. We are. And uh, we are continuing with the films that were our first horror films. That's right. Last week we discussed my first horror film. Leprechaun. It's a good one. Very Had a lot fun. of fun with that. It was fun. I like Leprechaun. So lovable. He is. And this week, another lovable movie. It's <laughs> <laughs> Tony's first film. Yep. First horror film. That's right. We were going to be talking about uh, 1988's Child's Play, written by Don Mancini, John LaFia, and Tom Holland, and directed by Tom Holland. This will be a Spill Your Guts episode. Uh, where we will recap the entire film and then explore some of the film's elements more deeply, spilling all of our feelings, thoughts, and guts in the process. And before we do, we should warn you that there will be spoilers. So listen at your own risk. All right, should we get started? Let's get started. All right. We open in a dark and cold alleyway. Cold fog pulses from the mouths of the criminal and detective in a desperate chase. The score is tense, akin to a good action flick. Guns ablaze, our detective cries out, I've got the strangler, Wabash and Van Buren. The backup squad car fires up the siren and speeds into action. Our strangler, Charles Lee Ray, played by Brad Dorif, and Detective Mike Norris, played by Chris Sarandon, trade shots as they weave through the alley and streets. The strangler sees his getaway and dives over a parked car, fires a few rounds, and then makes his move, only to be tagged in the back by the detective's bullet. Things aren't looking great for this criminal, especially as his getaway man speeds off, leaving a hobbled Charles Lee Ray desperately pleading, Eddie, Eddie, don't leave me! With such emotion that one honestly feels sorry for the guy. Give it up, Ray, it's over! Detective Norris yells out, but this criminal sees no chance of turning himself in. Why, maybe I can hide in this toy store. I'll just blend in amongst the toy cars, an enormous display of good guy dolls stacked as high as if this place were ramping up for Black Friday sales. It works! Detective Norris sees that there are way too many toys to sniff out a killer. Ray sneaks through some displays with Norris in his sights. Takes his shot, a narrow miss. Norris counters. Ray is hit and falls to the floor. This is surely over, thinks Norris. Ray is woozy as he has the realization, Oh God, I'm dying! What better time to vow revenge? He cries out in a furious rage, I'm gonna get you for this, no matter what! Ray staggers and stumbles, muttering to himself and cluing us in on his final play. I gotta find some... body? He collapses, grabbing hold of a good guy box, making quite a mess of the neatly stacked dolls. With lovable freckled, quaffed red hair and electric blue eyes, a good guy stares at Ray face to face in his moment of demise. Wait, what if? Of course, the doll! Let the ominous and thunder-summoning evil chant begin. Give me the power, I beg of you! Blood-soaked but not dead yet, Ray is all in on the soul transfer into a sweet little good guy. Because it's better than being a dead guy, right? 
The storm is raging now, and Ray is just about to hit his 1.21 gigawatts of lightning juice to get inside this plastic vessel. Norris gets the feeling that this shit just took a turn for the worse. With a final bellowing cry, a powerful force blasts through the skylight, taking out everything in its wake with a tremendous explosion. What a mess. A shell-shocked Norris tramples over the wreckage and finds his man dead. But we all know what's up as we see a good guy doll innocently smiling at the carnage. Cut to an apartment. It's the birthday morning of six-year-old Andy, played by Alex Vincent. Dressed in good guy garb, he gleefully and haphazardly prepares breakfast for his still-slumbering mom, Karen Barclay, played by Katherine Hicks. What's on the menu? Deep charred toast with a heaping scoop of margarine. And good guy cereal with extra sugar. Just how mom likes it. This is going to be the best birthday ever. Andy has a feeling he's finally going to get that good guy doll he's been wishing for. He sees a good guy commercial on TV. It's too cool. He talks and turns his head too. That's not at all creepy. Breakfast is ready and Andy leaves a trail of milk over to mom's bed where he jumps on her with puppy-like vigor. How much good guy cereal has this kid had? It's 6.30 in the morning. But it's not the sugar that has Andy amped, it's the presents. He spots the one box shaped like it might have a little best friend inside. Nope, just a pair of dumb jeans. Ugh. Things haven't been the same since Daddy died and Mom is working at the department store all the time. Oh well, another disappointing birthday. Andy gets frank with Mom. I want a good guy doll. Mom already knew this, but she's a single mom with bills to pay. Later, while at work, Karen gets the tip from her best friend Maggie that there's some guy in the back alley slaying good guys. Perfect. She abandons her post at the department store to meet the vagrant with less than ideal dental hygiene and scores the doll at a major discount. Ecstatic by their not shady at all purchase, she returns to her post only to be scolded by her unsympathetic and sniveling store manager who pressures her to work late on her boy's birthday as punishment. Karen relents as Maggie offers to hang with Andy on his special day. Mom's got just enough time to pick Andy up and drop him off at home before scuttling back to work. However, Mom offers up one more present, proudly proclaiming to Andy, this isn't groceries. Andy's face lights up. A good guy doll! Demonstrating how it works to Mom, Andy enthusiastically screams in the doll's face. Hi, I'm Andy! What's your name? Hi, I'm Chucky, and I'm going to be your friend to the end. Heidi ho ha, ha ha Mom loves it. This is wonderful. Maybe Chucky can babysit from now on. Way to buy your kids love. Later, Aunt Maggie eats cake as Andy teaches Chucky how to use a realistic toy hammer. The nightly news is covering the big story. Eddie Caputo, accomplice to Charles Lee Ray, has escaped custody. Chucky swivels his head over to watch, but Aunt Maggie says it's time for bed. Sorry, Aunt Maggie. Chucky wants to watch the news. Babysitter's not falling for that old trick as she yanks Chucky by one arm and puts him and Andy to bed. Moments later, she hears the news blare in the background. Andy is brushing his teeth, right? Is he sneaking Chucky out in front of the TV as a tactic to stay up late? That little shit. She scolds Andy. But Aunt Maggie, I didn't put Chucky in front of the TV. Chucky did it. Oh, great. This little kid is obsessed, defiant, and Aunt Maggie needs another slice of that chocolate cake. Go to bed, Andy. See, Chucky, I told you she'd be mad. Man, that Aunt Maggie is a real bitch. Andy kisses his new best friend. He go goes to bed as Chucky plots with his vacant yet piercing blue eyes.
Finally, some peace and quiet. Maggie settles in with a book. We get the POV of something small scurrying about the apartment. I thought I told Andy to go to bed. Maybe being alone late at night is giving Maggie the jumps. She cautiously investigates, only to find a container of flour knocked over. There aren't any raccoons on the 10th floor, are there? The phone rings, startling Maggie. It's Karen checking in. All good here. Although she secretly swears there's something lurking. Shortly after hanging up, she turns around and wham! Tiny toy hammer to the head. She flails and takes at least 10 steps backwards before crashing through the window and plummeting to her demise. Karen returns home on the bus to find the roped-off crime scene and rushes to make sure Andy is okay. There's a slew of cops in her apartment. Karen is thinking the worst. Mommy, Aunt Maggie had an accident. Detective Mike Norris is on the scene and delivers the news that her best friend is dead. Terrifying but keeping it together, she gets the next blow. Hey lady, is your kid capable of murder? There are tiny footprints in the flower on the counter. Case solved. Mommy, Chucky wants to know what's going on. Andy, go to bed. Sorry you've had such a shitty birthday. At least you have Chucky. Now get to bed before you get booked, kid. Andy once again tries for bed and notices that Chucky has white residue on his little shoes. Detective, I know who did it. It was Chucky. Andy, go to bed. Cops clear out and mom hears Andy talking to someone in his bedroom. This can't be happening. There's no way I can afford therapy on my salary. Mom needs to speak some sense into this kid. Chucky, huh? What does he say to you? Chucky's real name is Charles Lee Ray, and he's been sent down from heaven by daddy to come play with me. He also told me that Aunt Maggie was a real bitch and got what she deserved. Mom is now regretting that back alley transaction and pleads with Andy that Chucky is not alive. But he is, mommy! Andy shoots back. He quickly changes his tune after seeing Mom's distraught face. I'm sorry, mommy. I'll stop making up stories, says Andy with a subtle wink to Chucky. The following day, Andy, still with a vice grip on his new best buddy, decides he'll ditch school as soon as mom rounds the corner. He hops on a Chicago train with his mini chaperone and gets off on the rough side of town, where trash fire and derelict buildings are plenty. Is that Eddie's place? All right, let's go. Andy goes off for a tinkle and Chucky springs into vengeful action. He can't wait to give that double-crossing Eddie Caputo what's coming for him. Hold up and paranoid, Eddie lies asleep with a 44 Magnum by his side. But what's that sound? Why, it's only Chucky getting the gas oven cranked up. It's cold in Chicago. Eddie ain't messing around with his shoot first, ask questions later attitude. He hears something in the kitchen and surprise, the gunshot ignites the ramshackle house with the force of a hundred sticks of dynamite. Later, Karen pays visit to the station only to find Andy being interrogated by the cops. He skips school and is wreaking havoc around Chicago. I swear it was Chucky. Why won't anyone believe me? Andy is finally done with this so-called friend. Mommy, he told me never to tell anyone or else he'd kill me. Tell it to the judge, kid. Maybe a little time in the loony bin will set you straight. With Andy locked up, Karen heads home with that ugly doll. Nothing is adding up. Is my kid a sociopath? Maybe I'm a bad mom. Are dolls alive? She picks up the box, lamenting her recent decisions. Two D-sized batteries fall out. What? No. How could it? 
She nervously picks up Chucky, undoes the back of his overalls to find that there are no batteries installed. Hi, I'm Chucky. Want to play? She screams and drops Chucky to the floor, and he smooth rolls under the couch. She's still not convinced. There's no way this doll could be alive. She grabs Chucky and shakes it. Talk to me, damn it. I'll make you talk to me or I'll throw you in the fire. Chucky flails to life, screaming violent obscenities, and he bites Karen on the arm, escaping a fiery doom. Karen goes after him, but alas, he has escaped. She rushes, rushes to find Detective Norris. It's true, Chucky's alive. Look, he bit me. Lady, you are irrational. I am a man of logical mind, and you are a delusional woman. But I kind of like you. Ugh, Karen can't rely on anyone these days. She decides to take matters into her own hands. She's going to find that foul-toothed peddler over on the bad side of town. Norris knows that this can't lead anywhere good and decides to follow. Karen arrives on the bad side of town, miming bad teeth and pushes cart to the locals to find her guy. Somehow this works. Cold and desperate, she attempts to pay the degenerate peddler three bucks for info. That's not enough, lady. What else you got? She quickly realizes she's in a predicament and is nearly assaulted. But Norris to the rescue. He aids in the interrogation. They learn that Chucky came from the burned-out toy store on Wabash. Norris can't believe it. Is the delusional woman right about the doll? That is where I killed Charles Lee Ray. Karen has put it all together now. Norris still sticking with the sane and rational bit. Before heading home, Norris pulls the file on Charles Lee Ray. You know, detective work. Little does he know he's got the little killer in his backseat the whole time. Chucky waits for his moment, jumps out and strangles Norris with some jumper cables. A struggle ensues. Instead of hitting the brakes, Norris hits the accelerator for about 10 more blocks. After narrowly escaping a few knives to the groin and rolling his car, he's finally able to see the little monstrosity for himself. Chucky toys with a detective trapped in the wreck car only to get blasted once again by Norris. Chucky can feel pain and bleed? So much for immortality. Meanwhile, a determined Karen heads to Charles Lee Ray's place and finds some elaborate self-portrait murder murals and that Ray is into some weird voodoo shit. This, she is, there she is confronted by Norris, who is finally on board with the whole Chucky is real idea. He has the deets on the voodoo man and they rush over. But Chucky gets there first. After questioning John, the voodoo mentor, he learns that he is becoming human, hence the bleeding. John disavows Chucky, calling him an abomination, and tries to call the cops because the cops will stop this evil doll. Chucky doesn't like it. He needs to get his soul out of this damn doll. He uses the old voodoo doll trick to snap all of John's bones and get the info he needs. He has to transfer his soul into the first person he revealed his true self to, Andy. Chucky gets to be six years old again. Sorry, John. Chucky no longer needs you, and the, with the voodoo dagger, he stabs Mini John, thus killing Big John. Karen and Norton get to John's place just in time for the voodoo mentor's last words. You must save the boy. But how do we kill the doll? Through the heart. Meanwhile, Chucky rushes to the mental hospital to get that little six-year-old soul. Andy sees his ex-BFF ambling up the stairs and with an all-too-realistic all too tears cries out, Chucky's coming to kill me. Soon, Chucky unlocks little friend's door and I guess Andy's given up now because he's taking a nap. Chucky pulls back the covers to stab the little lump in the bed, but what's this? The old pillow trick. And like that, Andy is free. Well, for at least 10 seconds until a syringe-welding doc catches him and prepares to pump him full of night-night juice. 
Andy can't catch a break, but Chucky saves the day and offs the doctor, giving Andy enough time to run home. Back at home, Andy decides his days of being a victim are over. While he gears up with a mini bat, Chucky slinks down the chimney, bearing not toys, but a dagger. The two come head to head. Andy loses his bat and it's back to being a victim. Seconds later, he's knocked unconscious by his own weapon. Now it's Chucky's chance. He summons some nasty storm clouds, and when he's just about to complete the soul transference, Norris and Mom arrive and knock the pint-sized psycho aside. In the end, it's two and a half humans against the Chuck as he's thrown, shot, and finally burned. This is the end, friend, Andy says with cocky absolution. But wait, there's more. The still-smoking villain is then shot, decapitated, shot again, and again, and again, and now he's dead. Enter Mike's useless partner, just in time to miss all the fun. But what happened here? The doll's alive, shouts Norris. Who's irrational now? Partner cop is warned not to touch any of the burnt doll parts in the hallway. Of course he does. And Torso Chucky, under maniacal command of Head Chucky, goes for one last strangle. Partner cop finally frees himself as Norris gets to deliver the kill shot through the heart. And now Chucky's dead. Believe me now, asks Norris. Yes, says partner cop. But who's going to believe me? Well, partner cop, likely anyone who gets to survive the next six sequels. I'm Chucky. Wanna play? Yay! <laughs> <laughs> uh, excellent synopsis recap of that film um i have to say i actually had not seen this movie all the way through until recently and for me it's i saw it when i was i think five um i was i didn't watch it by chance i was shown it by older cousins mm. you know the older cousins that are trying like to scare to talk about those older cousins scare the crap out of you my older cousins didn't try to scare me they were just trying to like oh look at this cool stuff but i don't think i sat down and watched the entire movie mm. um and then years later i did but it's been years since i've seen um the entirety sat down and watched and i would say that the film still holds up and it's still terrifying it is uh well i mean I guess now that I saw Leprechaun and Chucky back to back, if yeah, I had it's seen funny because Chucky when I was that young, I don't think I would have ever watched a scary movie ever again. <laughs> it's yeah, it it was definitely traumatizing, but it's funny because you have these two horror movies that um, one is where they're both kind of around the uh, the theme of kids or young people you would or small that they people. would be very similar because yeah, and like, Leprechaun <laughs> is one that is. I mean, it came after Child's Play, and I I see that it was influenced by Child's Play in a few ways, um, but it's it's definitely a movie that can appeal to kids or to adults, whereas Child's Play is not a movie not for, for kids. kids. No. Yet somehow, so many kids have seen this movie and have been absolutely traumatized by it. Yeah, I remember. Um, I had not seen the movie. And I knew about the movie. Everybody knew about the movie. Everybody knew about Everybody the movie. Whether you're in the video store and just saw the cover or you heard someone talking cover. about it. I really wanted to see 
the horror movies in the horror section of Blockbuster, but I was afraid. I avoided the C's because I was afraid to see <laughs> Child's Play. I didn't want to see that little face. I think it was Child's Play 2. That yeah, cover that, scared me the most. Yeah, I remember has, like, we were talking about that. scissors chopping off the chopping, jack in a box Yeah, head. And, and I actually, um, I did see Child's Play 2 not too long after while I was still pretty young. Um, I don't know if I saw it like right when it came out, but I really like it. And it's one that um, I need to revisit again because I remember thoroughly enjoying it. And I still remember all the scenes after many, many years of having haven't seen it. I don't think I've seen the second one, but now I can with this wonderful blu-ray box set that we got that we're in no way promoting we just i just think we're not the promoting boxes cool it does it's got this really sort cool. of holographic chucky and a good guy box yeah which i didn't realize that this was the good guy box until i watched uh the first one about four times this past week so. <laughs> well it was also so clever um i remember around the time when chucky came out um there were these uh my buddy dolls and you know, after seeing the movie and just hearing um, Don Mancini talking about the movie and his script, he he says his script predated the Good Guy Dolls, his but but you still did. you can't help but notice the similarities of the sort of life size yeah. best friend doll, and they look pretty similar. Well, his original scripts, there were three script writers for Child's Play. And Don Mancini's original script, I think, did come out before the My Buddy Doll, which what came out in like 86 or something. Um, the My Buddy Doll? The My Buddy Doll. Yeah. I can't remember exactly when it came out, but I but do remember it being movie, around as a kid. And I remember movie. the commercial for sure. Yeah. The movie came out, though, after My Buddy Dolls had been made already. Yeah. So I, so I think a lot of people were maybe trying to relate those two as coincidental. But I also think about um, the the cartoon Rugrats where the character Chucky in Rugrats yeah. has red hair and kind of has the overalls. And yeah. I wonder if that was because of the, how big of a phenomenon. I wonder if Chucky maybe was? they were trying to demystify or dehorrify the Chucky. I'll have to look into that. I wish cuter. I had looked into that before because it, I always thought that I always, cause I love Rugrats and I watched it as a kid and I always thought like, the Chucky and Rugrats seems awful lot like well, no, not scary Chucky, the one that I mean, terrorized physical, my dreams. His physical red hair looked like Chucky, but yeah, his maybe maybe that's the only. Well, no, the personality. His no. personality, he was kind of like you know nasally and weak willed and just kind of did what Tommy did. And yeah, I feel like maybe in that sense they're trying to tell kids, hey, don't be afraid of the name Chucky. I think maybe after being traumatized by by Chucky and having recurring nightmares that maybe any sort of small thing with red hair or named Chucky or anything named Chucky is just scary to well, me now. I remember watching the commentary with Don Mancini and he was saying that the name Chucky almost has like an onomatopoeia quality to it, how it just sounds like something sounds like, like something violent yeah he said it sounds like a knife being plunged into a pumpkin well the other the doll in the um in the commercial in the movie his name is oscar right that doesn't sound nearly as frightening what? yeah what movie huh? sorry in the um in the commercial <laughs> in the movie when andy's making breakfast for his mom oh right a commercial comes on the screen promoting oh, yeah, the new oscar. chucky doll yeah and yeah. that that good guy doll's name oscar okay 
Yeah. God, yeah it and sound. I'm just saying that doesn't sound nearly no, as. It sounds very, you know, unassuming. Oscar. Yeah. <laughs> nice, nice. Could you imagine? Guy. Hi, I'm Oscar. I'm going to be your friend yeah. at the end. Like, Hi. okay, whatever, Oscar. We, yeah, we're not afraid of you. Yeah, get out of here, Oscar. <laughs> Jeez. Um, I want to talk about the um, the kid toy frenzy. I know Don Mancini, the original writer, really wanted to kind of hark on. He the, was satirizing the yeah, toy industry. the toy industry with Cabbage Patch dolls. And well, we grew up with that just like onslaught of toy commercials. And, you know, it must be different now for, for kids. I imagine for kids today, it's all about sort of apps and tablets and mm -hmm. that sort of stuff. But for our generation and probably, you know, you know, plus or minus 10 years or whatever. Um, it was these things. Yeah, it was the, it was the onslaught. So you're, you're watching Nickelodeon or you're watching like Saturday morning cartoons and you're just getting hit with product after product after mm -hmm. product. Like, Mom, I need that Cabbage Patch doll. So I, that's what I was saying. I still remember the, my buddy commercial. I can still like my buddy, my buddy. Wherever he goes, well, we still got the tune, so it's like, man, those even the commercials stick and are just like little earworms, yeah, stay in your ear. Yeah, I wasn't into my buddy. I was, did more, you have a, a doll of some sort that, uh, I think I was a, I did have a cabbage patch doll, and I have those, those I are had pretty scary. Kids little birth certificate i did love the garbage pail series i loved i think the garbage pail series was maybe a little bit before my time but my mom had all these cards and i loved them i have to we'll have to see another thing like i wish that i had thought of it before but we'll have to see if the garbage pail kids predated chucky or because i feel like there's oh, some crossover yeah um especially when well actually maybe more crossover in the second child's play where there's some um, just some imagery that looks just like a garbage pail kid, or actually, yeah. I would say burnt Chucky reminds me of a pot like a garbage pail yeah. kid character. Yeah, where they're always just kind of there was a garbage pail gross kid and grotesque, card, like a little sunburnt sunburnt baby. <laughs> the sunburnt it wasn't, baby. It wasn't. But charred. with the round, the big cheeks and the yeah, it was a sunburnt baby. It wasn't like charred baby. It was yeah, scary. Well, what about the um those Harry sort of like hurlers. I don't I don't know um, what they're what they're called, but I was thinking of like this the sort of like blinking porcelain dolls. Oh yeah. I was never afraid of those. I remember sleeping in my grandma's guest bedroom as a child and she had those blinking porcelain dolls and um just like the very alabaster shiny faces and <laughs> tiny little rosy red cheeks. Um, and one of them was a clown and I wasn't afraid of it. I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. And then after that, I liked clowns. Yeah, but I was going to say you love clowns. Love Maybe clowns. you were just a kid that was slightly like, off. Clowns remind me of my grandma. We'll have You're to good. unearth whatever trauma allowed you to have this sort of because I like clowns, clowns because I have a non-fear of clowns. I had trauma. Uh, maybe sense. like going to Disneyland <laughs> as a young kid and like all of your exposure to and the to like the weird animatronics. Cream. The no. like the Pirates of the Caribbean. I loved that. I wanted that's kind of scary for I a kid. I wanted to be in that ride. I remember my brother and I were like, if you could be in any ride at Disneyland, just like spend the night here. I wanted to and be And how old were you when you first went to Disneyland? Probably like four. So I think you were I think you were desensitized to what <laughs> to kids find scary about something like Chucky, which is the fact that it's a 
toy doll but the come thing to life. Is, and all these other things that should have been scary for me weren't, but Chucky was. I remember I had a recurring dream with Chucky, even though I had never seen it. And it, I remember it vividly. I was sitting at the kitchen table eating those the those cranberries that come in a can and just like you plop it out as like a whole yeah. can shape and you slice it. I was eating those. My mom was in the kitchen cooking dinner and she was playing on her record player this talk radio host woman who had a very deep lulling voice and she was very calm just talking methodically and slowly and then suddenly her voice gets more panicked and more panicked and she starts screaming and the scream becomes blood curdling and then silence i remember asking my mom mom what was that she said oh that was a woman being murdered by chucky oh. and i was like what <laughs> I mean, I you that, remember that dream in vivid detail. I had it like five or six times, many times, that same dream. My Chucky dreams are always just like, Chucky's going to get you. And I think that was used by in my family, cousins. older cousins, or I probably said it to my to my younger <laughs> brothers, younger like, mm. Chucky's going to get you. It's a cycle. Chucky's going to get you. Mm. And that's all it took. And yeah. then you're just like, I can't uh, use the bathroom alone anymore. I, I like the idea of like the... Um, the toys in that era being a big part of kids' lives. And I, yeah. I wonder if a lot of it is because of just the change in society and you had more single moms out there and you had people like more moms um, working, more moms working mm -hmm. in the workforce. So, right. and so you almost need like this babysitter or like surrogate parent to watch over your kid when you have to go to work. Uh, just leave the kids at home alone with the Chucky doll. With Chucky. <laughs> Perfect babysitter. <laughs> Hours of fun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it was in Cable Guy or Jim Carrey, the Cable Guy. Yep. At the end decides that he has to kill the babysitter. <laughs> I always think about that. Like, yeah, the TV in that era was the babysitter. And, you know, after the all of the mess that the babysitter has gotten the 70s from all of those slasher movies mm. yeah you don't want to hire babysitters anymore for their own safety there's no more babysitters there, around there's no more they're all either dead or terrified of being murdered by some mask they got a better job villain yeah so i find it interesting that um okay yeah so chucky as a horror icon 33 years later he's still terrifying um, and the name Charles Lee Ray, the, the you know the the main killer, the what the lake shore, it the sounds strangler. oddly familiar. Do you know uh, where it's from? I do because we I listened to the commentary. Oh, okay. Uh, David Kirshner, <laughs> uh, he always had this fear growing up of you know these three killers that were very prevalent in the news uh, mm -hmm. around the time when he was younger. Um, Charles Manson, Lee Harvey Oswald, and James Earl Ray. And that's where you mm. get Charles Lee Ray. The whole Chucky team in the movie was really amazing to me. Um, so the idea of Chucky, um, well, I guess, you know, the idea of the, the doll was, you know, Don Mancini's idea. Mm -hmm. Um, but then, uh, in the commentary, Don Mancini and David Kirshner, the producer, both kind of say how they were afraid of the the talking Tina episode of the Twilight Twilight mm -hmm. Zone growing up. This like evil doll that was like, "Hi, I'm gonna kill you." That's kind of what inspired uh, this this evil doll character for the movie. 
Um, but I think the design was David Kirshner's idea. And then he hired um, Kevin Yeager, who worked on Nightmare on Elm Street, mm. uh, to do the, like the construction of, of Chucky. And so he um, modeled uh, the, some of the facial features, like the eyes. And um, as the movie progresses, the hairline after Brad Dorff, who um, is the voice of Chucky. And in the beginning... Um, live action charles yeah. right um and so he had like you know images and he had um all the audio the voice audio for um brad dorf's character mm-hmm. uh, and he would model it after that and there are really moments where you can see in the eyes of, of the doll like oh wow it does look like brad dorf's eyes especially in the corners um I would say it, it. you have to be pretty keen to notice the changes because they were subtle. I think that when you watch the movie um, that you you can tell that there's the like the good guy doll who has like the the kind of deep sky blue eyes and the freckles mm-hmm. and looks nice and innocent and all that. And then there's Chucky when Chucky comes to life, definitely looks more sinister and looks kind yeah. of, um, I don't know, the haunting haunting and menacing and really like the puppetry and the acting of the doll pre-cgi is really good actually i think it holds up and i think it's still really effective especially in the scene where he first comes to life when um karen's character finds out that andy was telling the truth yeah yeah that's so startling and the doll's flailing around um and i think so they, hateful and yeah and uh the the, the, the puppeteers yeah. well they talk about having mm-hmm. these different dolls and that doll was specifically made for flail, flailing around it was just yeah, kind of on doll. drill motors that just yeah. had the arms and the head and the legs yeah. moving and that with brad doris uh voice over on top of it yeah is it just works so well there are so many scenes where i'm it, just so it's impressed. terrifying it's startling it is terrifying that is to me the most terrifying scene in the movie when he first reveals himself to katherine hicks or to karen yeah um and he just has such hate and frustration that like he did not want to reveal to her but she made him because they kind of like you know they tease it out a little bit yeah. with the point of view shots and the sort of like um you know chucky turning his head and staring at the news but then there's that moment where there's all of this build up and it's like all right we ain't playing games no more mm-hmm. and all of a sudden just like boom he's a killer yeah, yeah. and a and little doll and the whole movie just like picks up from there it's like fast paced um from that moment on you don't have a moment to catch your breath um and there are i think about like seven puppeteers working on chucky's face and arms. i think they said oh maybe i think they said there were like 12 puppeteers i feel like it i feel like he said that when i listened to the commentary with kevin yeager the the main puppeteer um he said there were about seven with just the oh, face okay maybe they have arms. like the the main puppeteers and then I maybe they, they have some backup they had 12 people with like the dolly okay uh, so that probably were, includes like, the cameraman the and, and the, the, the know, grip. focus puller and right um, like all the, the people trying to follow chucky as he was like coming down this like track uh, so i think they were just kind of really saying how amazingly cramped that space in the apartment became over the right. course of the few months and they're filming there. this on a sound stage yeah and in, in um culver city california 
Yeah, same place where mm -hmm. they did the Wizard of Oz. Yeah. And they built the stage up on rafters so that all of the puppeteers can Be hide under mm -hmm. the the flooring. Yeah. But just thinking about the seven puppeteers for Chucky, I guess they had um, one guy that had like a, a jaw. Um, like a jaw thing, helmet. A jaw helmet that uh, was linked to, to but Chucky's But at the same mouth. time, he's holding a like a four toggle keyboard and he's controlling the, the lip, mouth movements, the, the eyebrows. Uh, somebody else did like the eyes and someone else was doing like the other eye. It's crazy. Uh, the yeah, amount of coordination. Yeah, he rattled them all off and was just like oh my goodness they all had to be like the right arm and the left arm were not the same person and but they sold amazing. it i mean the performance is actually pretty good yeah. especially that scene where um chucky comes in to the his john's voodoo window med yeah john's window i love that scene. he's like hi hi john yeah oh such good and um don mancini the original writer was saying that um puppeteers have to be uh, they have to be gearheads and they also have to be actors. And yeah, you can I can really see that. see that they have to be able to know how to emote with this doll. Yeah. And quite impressive. Well, and it, it must be, you know, we've heard the actors over and over saying that there's there were just too many people on set for that experience to be scary to them. Um, aside from maybe like some of the puppeteers playing pranks on them, uh, you know, off camera. Yeah. But. Um, um, and you would expect that. And even the little boy, even Andy, Alex, his, yeah, yeah Alex, Alex Vincent, Alex Vincent, his, um, he always sort of states like, in his interviews that he was never afraid of the doll. And yeah. that's actually the most common question that he gets. I get that all the time. But, you know, I think uh, everyone on the set, Kevin Yeager, the new puppeteer, was trying to really um, de horrify Chucky for him. And he, right. he allowed him to control Chucky sometimes. So he always thought Chucky was really cool. Um, the only thing he didn't want to see was the scene where um, Ed Gale, the person they hired to um, put on the Chucky costume and mask, um, had to be on fire at the very end. And that was the only scene that Alex didn't want to watch because he was afraid because Ed was his friend by that point. He's like, I don't want to see my friend get burned. Yeah. But he has, uh, Andy also has that really convincing scene where he's in the the mental hospital yeah. for kids. and. Chucky's coming to kill him. Yeah, and, he's and you crying. just imagine we were watching that when I was watching that for the he's first really time. He's really crying. He's like, not thinking about. Oh my gosh, what do they do to terrify this kid with Chucky? So I wonder if that's why so many people ask, like, were you? Yeah, were you really Chucky? terrified that he was going to kill you? You looked like you were because traumatized. Because those tears are real. Every time I see that scene, I'm just like, oh, look, that poor little boy. <laughs> Somebody <laughs> hug him. Oh man, <laughs> terrible doctor, just like wrenches his hand off him and runs off yeah so much good stuff in this movie though really I mean, good man i it am was better than i thought it would be well that's what i'm saying <laughs> i'm just like so glad that i came back and rewatched and actually really kind of got deeper into the yeah. film because you really do appreciate how much of a labor of love this yeah and i've heard that before from horror fans that like um like you know there's there are these movies or or series or franchises that you could really tell they it was like a their their love or something like mm -hmm. that and this is definitely one of them it definitely shows yeah and i think uh Don mancini was saying how um it almost feels like a classy horror movie and mm -hmm. it gets uh lumped in with like you know some of the um more campy um slasher or horror movies um and i think later on in the series it does get a little bit campier like brett and chucky it's pretty campy and it's still fun mm -hmm. but the first one it just um it 
it almost, uh, it does seem very classy and it takes itself very seriously. And I think that's why. Well, you've got the urban setting. You've got the um, sort of detective cat and mouse kind of thing. You and have the, the camera work. Um, Bill, the POV shots. Oh gosh, who's the, the cameraman? It's a, I know it, Bill Butler. He, he worked the, on Jaws. He was the cameraman, the cinematographer for Jaws. Yeah, so a lot of good quite, camera work. Quite a crew and cast. And uh, Chris Sarandon, who played the cop. Uh, but he, we know, we recognize him from, well, he he is in Fright Night. Yeah. Um, which I don't remember as strongly as the remake with, um, what's his name? <laughs> with. Uh, oh, Colin Farrell. Yeah, with, Col sorry, <laughs> with what's his name? With the remake with Colin Farrell. Um, but he's in the original Fright Night, which is also directed by Tom Holland. And um, he. Yeah, they worked plays. together before. And so I think. That's yeah, fun. actually, I, I won't spoil that movie for anyone who hasn't seen it because I haven't given the spoil yeah. spoiler warning. Yeah. But his character looks a lot like Negan from The Walking Dead. He has mm -hmm. the, red the red scarf, scarf and the leather jacket. jacket. Yeah, it's a cool character. Uh, but I was going to say that he was um, just like talking about the caliber of the cast and crew. He right. was nominated for Best Supporting Actor for an Oscar for Dog Day Afternoon. Oh, nice. And why well, I was talking Dor about. Oh, go ahead. Brad Sorry. Dorif was nominated for Best Supporting Actor the that, same yeah. year. I could see that for Maybe. one flew over the cuckoo's nest. Yeah. Uh, so and I didn't realize that that was the same person. Yeah. They're both these uh, Oscar nominated actors and um, they're in this movie. And I think they really, everyone just kind of like really upped the, um, the Annie for this. Movie. Well, I was going to say, you, you know, you're noting the sort of Oscar worthiness of these actors, but I'm just, I was noting like, Oh, um, Chris Sarandon is the is the guy He's from Princess, Princess Bride. Bride. He's the kind of the asshole He's the douchey prince. prince. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is such a memorable character. Yeah. Still kind of charming though, right? I feel like mm. He's not charming. I don't remember. I mean, charming to himself, <laughs> I think. He's more charming as Detective Mike Norris. Yeah, he's very charming as Mike Norris. Yeah. Even though he's even though he's a little manhandly at times. Well, he's kind caring. of like, I think that's, um, well, isn't that one of the themes that you wanted to discuss? The idea of the sort of totem yeah, pole this, of, uh, what did you call it? Of, uh, what did I call it? <laughs> the, oh, discrediting. This like the totem, totem pole, pole The totem pole of discredit. Yeah. So it starts at the bottom. Poor little Andy's at the bottom of this totem pole. He's the little boy he's that little no boy, one believes. He's making up stories. We know he's the most credible. He's the most correct in the movie. But because he's a little boy, uh, no one believes him, not even his mom. And then when and we she, see that trope over and over yeah, in horror movies like, where it's um, like, just, just listen. Kid. If you just listen to the just little kid's the little crazy kid. story. <sighs> Just uh, forget about any sort of like rationale or logic or these. Just like, yeah, trust your kid for one second. This doll might be real. Yeah. If I mean, has your kid ever called Aunt Maggie a bitch before? Because the kid's acting out kid's because acting he out? just recently lost his dad. Okay. Yeah. Well, then. Mm. And I he seems a little spoiled. <laughs> Uh, have you seen his room it's all paper decorations all i was gonna, oh, I was gonna say like he has every single uh good guy accessory except for he just the has doll he's got pjs that's it 
Like yeah. mom can afford to buy him PJs that happen to be part well, of the Well, maybe line. mom front loaded a lot of those toys or maybe he had those toys when dad was still around. Yeah, dad just died last year. He, an only child and, you know. Yeah, dad died last year. Dad probably So he's used to a them. certain amount of toys. Yeah. And now mom that she's all on her own, he's just let down after mm. let down, which mm. is really sad. Let down after let down. Hello, and thank you for listening to Gutted. Unfortunately, while filming this episode, we accidentally forgot to hit the record button on our microphones. We were just so darn excited about Chucky. The next 30 minutes or so will not sound as good as the rest of the episode. Thank you again for tuning in, and let's get back to it. What is the totem pole's next layer? We have the kid at the bottom. Kid's at the bottom, and he is discredited by mom. And then mom gets hers. Now she's up next on this totem pole of discrediting. Once she gets that bite mark from Chucky, she's like, oh, I get it. Now he is real. I gotta go tell this detective guy, Mike Morris. And she's not even trying to like sugar her. She's like, look, he's real. He bit me. <laughs> <laughs> and then of course, she's all in on the like, Chucky's you know real. I've got proof. Tiny bite. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and my kid's in prison. So obviously I'm telling the truth. Uh, and Mike is at the top of this totem pole because, you know, he is this He's strong the logical man, man, the detective. Logical man, and she's the irrational woman. Yeah. And we see this theme a lot in horror movies where the woman is irrational, yet the audience knows she's correct. Yeah, or just in movies in general, or just in life in general, which is, <laughs> which is you know, um, yeah. not cool. <laughs> Uncool, guys. Uh, but then Mike gets his by being discredited by another man. I guess there's no one higher than him on the totem pole. He's going to be discredited by another man. Um, yeah, I like that line in the end, but who's going to believe me? Should we talk about some of our favorite scenes in the movie? I would love to. I mean, What's your favorite? I We've touched on a couple of these, but my favorite, I think, is that scene where he pops up in the window and goes, Hi. I just love the way Hi. he says it. And I love the way that the puppeteers coordinate that. Like, he's almost like by that point, Chucky or Charles Lee Ray has, is, is playing into this whole doll body. He's kind of enjoying it. He's having it. fun with he's it. He's having fun. Even though he just got shot. Even, yeah, he just got shot. He's like, that hurt. <laughs> oh, man. Hey, I just got shot. <laughs> and I realized that it hurt. It hurts, John. But I'm still loving being what this doll. <laughs> okay. Yeah. A lot of my favorite scenes are very, very minor, but at the very end, when Andy's like, I'm going to take charge. The adults aren't here. I've got my little bat. I'm going to get Chucky now. Yeah. And he's like skulking around the hallway and, and then he like pops around the corner and there's Chucky. <laughs> oh, surprise. Oh, so oh surprise. <laughs> he's, he, it's kind of his uh, shining moment, right? <laughs> Or is it before that? His shining moment, yes. It is kind of, yeah, it is before the shining. Before that, but it is kind of yeah. similar. It kind of gives you that. I mean, it's a shining moment to me, but it's before the shining moment. Right, where he's actually like stabbing through the door mm -hmm. with the knife. It's yeah. very obvious so homage funny. to the to the shining. Yeah. Um, and then my uh, other favorite scenario I talked about where he's like no running down the street after any. <laughs> Wait. Anyway. There are a lot of like oh, just the just because of the emotion, the, the humanistic qualities, yeah, yeah. But I do. But is that <laughs> is that just you admiring his acting I just, ability? I'm really admiring Brad Doris' acting ability. Yeah. But just as far as like things that like made me laugh, 
I mean, I guess, does that count as failure? Yeah, it's whatever you enjoy. If it's something that made you laugh or something that scared you, and a lot of times I think it's like those funny little moments. You need those those moments of like you know levity to like take some of the stress off of seeing something so terrifying. Yeah. When Eddie Caputo is seen in his like little dingy, derelict, dilapidated house. Eddie Caputo scene. Yeah, and he's going from room to room with his loaded gun. Really, like he opens up that door. Why does he shoot? There's nothing. Because, <laughs> like, like I said in the synopsis, he's a shoot first, yeah, ask questions later type of guy. Blows up into oblivion. And an unrealistic explosion. The entire it's like the whole house was rigged up Vegas style, and they just. Well, they said in the commentary that this was a house they were going. It was like set they were for like demolition. demolition anyway. Yeah, so they just went all out they with the explosion. And they kind of went all out with the car chase too. Yeah. It was kind of like a little longer than it needed to be. Yeah, and it was like, how is this guy not crashing into a wall by this point? Like, yeah. step on the brake, buddy. Well, I think maybe they had enough budget. I mean, it seems like for a studio movie that it was a lower than average budget, but they mm-hmm. still had the budget to like do some of that cool Hollywood and, stuff. Yeah. My favorite scene, actually, I have two. Um, my favorite scene is um, the moment when uh, Chucky reveals himself to mm-hmm. uh, to Karen. And the reason why is that's my favorite scene is because it's so startling yeah. and it's just that it's like shocking to the audience. Even, you know, we watched it several times in the last few days, and every time I watch it, it's still. Yeah shocking and so mine's not a funny scene i I mean i see that more as like no that to me is um the best most terrifying scene for me too i yeah creepy yeah just just for um you know horror horror a lot of times is about timing and is about kind of mood and like hitting that right scare at the right moment and it's a hard thing to do. And often they they do it with the the score where they just like, and yeah, they they try to, scare they you try to artificially in yeah. some horror movies. Yeah, there's that artificial prodding, mm-hmm. and the you know the, the most common trope is the jump scare. Mm-hmm. But then aside from the jump scare, there's also like the fake out jump jump scare, and then the fake out fake out, and then you know so on and so on and so on. Yeah, just like little things to try to get you to to jump. But this was like um, more and more authentic scare where you just, you go from the little lifeless doll to all of a sudden this. And I think they did a good job building up to that too, with the, the D batteries falling out and you're like, Oh, those are the batteries. But we know as an, as, as an audience at this point, but you're like feeling for, well, you're it's, feeling it's with like the character. Build. Yeah. You know that he's about to reveal. So right. Even though we know he's real and then we know that Charles Lee Ray is inside the body, we don't know when he's going to reveal. Yeah. And so you start to get that hint when the batteries fall out. She reads the box that's like him to use his batteries and glue. And then she's like, oh, I gotta go check this battery pack. Like, I Which, wouldn't. Little tidbit mm-hmm. that we learned from the mm-hmm. commentary again that the original script was named Batteries Not Included. Oh, yeah. But, you know, you had to change that because there's another movie called Batteries Not Included. Yeah. yeah like a, there was a Spielberg movie yep. that I've never seen. Yeah. Yep. One of those movies from yesterday, yesteryear. Yesteryear. Anyway, so she <laughs> goes to open up the battery, and I, that scene really startled me because I know the battery pack's going to be empty, but 
even so, when she opens it and it's empty, you almost hold your breath and then the head turns around. Hi! Hi, I'm Chucky. You want to play? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so scary. Oh, and then and then when she like dives face first under the couch to like lift up the little the corner. The yeah, and every yeah, you just think to yourself like, like, come on, lady. Lady, what are you doing? Yeah, she's Why like are you abandoned up to the apartment? It's kind of like in Leprechaun where the dad just shoves his hand it's in a the cat. hole. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, good stuff. Yeah, but you know there are those heinous things. That's why we love horror movies, though, because the characters movies. always make the worst possible decision, and, and, and it's wildly entertaining. To progress the plot, so it's it allows weird. us to scream at the character. Yeah. What are you doing? Stop! Like, oh, I know Don't better. go up the stairs. Close the door behind you. Yeah. <laughs> Don't check the battery pack. Throw the doll in the good little pile. Get out of here. Don't prod the dead killer. Don't prod the Or don't uh don't drop the gun. There's so don't, many times where they shoot the killer or you know the, the villain or the bad guy or like, and then they you leave bash the, the gun. killer one time and then you drop your weapon and then you run off instead of bludgeoning the killer to yeah. make sure <laughs> that he or she yeah. is dead. Set the house on fire and Set, get the hell out of there. Yes. It. Although we know that doesn't always work. Yeah. Um, but and, I so my second yeah. favorite. Well, I was thinking about like you know Jason or Michael Myers when they get into that sort of like supernatural. Well, sequel. Like Chucky, they had to kill him like eight times. Yeah, Chucky. Eight yeah. times. That's true. Came back eight times. Yeah, Chucky's like the Terminator. It, he was. Yeah. It's definitely. Keeps so. coming back for more. Mm-hmm. Even and that's that's actually actually that is my second favorite scene. So that's a good segue. Um, actually, I think this yeah I think it's my second favorite scene. I was gonna try to like decide if maybe it was my favorite scene, but just for the visual when uh, Chucky's burnt to a crisp, burnt he's been decapitated, shot, shot smoking, yeah. just gone through the ringer. Um, we find he finally gets the shot through the heart, and um, we see the the burnt charred. Um, little doll with this like the skeleton and he's kind of like slowly coming to his end it reminded me a lot of um the end of blade runner in a way Mm -hmm. i mean maybe that's a stretch but um where like the replicant is is dying and kind of like like quietly just kind of comes to but actually it's maybe more of a terminator type of thing it's definitely a terminator type of thing but i don't know i i just i thought about this sort of um i thought about the replicant because that's that's like this uh machine with a soul that's mm-hmm. dying it's very poetic <gasps> and chucky is and in, in some perverse soul. way yeah, yeah. It's, he's a machine he's, yeah he's electronic what are your thoughts on that freeze frame on andy's face as he's peering back at the dis uh, dismembered chucky i mean i think maybe i just thought like i don't know this is it's ending on the fear of this kid looking back at losing his best friend and having to go through this like shitty birthday what do you think he's thinking as he looks back oh he's he's screwed up in the head after after this he's for sure thinking, oh, <laughs> I was. I always wonder. Not all. I just saw this movie. <laughs> his, his whole world crashed down on him. He was obsessed with the yeah, good guy. Yeah, this was. And he realized the good guy was a bad guy. This was basically his like surrogate dad, his replacement dad. Ooh, because dad yeah. sent it down. This dad sent it down from heaven to come play. That's <laughs> a really 
messed up idea. So it's like his dad died again. His dad died all over again in the most grotesque way. Yeah. And so he's looking back at it thinking, so I guess this is it. I'm doomed to be alone. This was my (laughs) one chance, my second chance to have a friend, to have a dad. And it's been obliterated. um, All right. So should we kind of quickly give some um, of our fun facts for this movie, some interesting things that you learned? Fun facts. Kevin Yeager, the lead puppeteer slash creator of The Doll, Mm -hmm. uh, married Catherine Hicks, a.k.a. Karen, the mom. Mm. They met on set, and they're both like, oh, who's that person? (laughs) And it was just a love story in the making, and they are still married. According to according to the internet. The internet, yeah. So hopefully that's hopefully still, they, still. That's still true. I but like it. Seems like there. a nice love story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing that I thought was really interesting was that uh, when they they had some scenes where they used a um, a little person to dress up as Chucky mm-hmm. and to kind of um, make up for the uh, size difference between the doll and the actor. Yeah, Ed um, Gale. Ed Gale. Mm-hmm. They, um, who played Howard the Duck, which I thought was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Um, anyways, to uh, make up for that size difference, they built the set 30% larger than, um, than the others and, you know, yeah. the normal set. Yeah. And it gives this really, um, off-putting effect where it makes, I don't know, it makes everything, I think it goes back to that idea of uncanny yeah but I, I feel like it made it such a smooth transition from the puppet or the robot or the pu- the puppet to ed gale right in costume it right. just seems so seamless like that scene where he goes into andy's room in the hospital and he's walking by the bed that's ed gale and he that's actually, his acting skills just being really yeah. good at doing that sort of doll-like for Well, sort he of studied with or... a mime to get those staccato movements of, like, a puppet, like animatronics. Yeah. And it looked really good. But he also used um, Andy's little sister. Um, as that first Chucky. Yeah, as the, a Chucky. The, the first time we see Chucky kind of running without... Maggie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you can tell it's an actual person. Um, but it still works. Yeah. It's still <laughs> creepy. Mm-hmm. All right, any others? Oh, one more. It, um, so all of the exterior scenes were shot in Chicago, mm-hmm. and it was like the coldest winter in 10 years or 40 years, depending mm-hmm. on who's telling the story. And months later, uh, they had to shoot all the interior scenes in the apartment in the Culver City soundstage in Southern California. And uh, they had to kind of like pre-remember um, what they were doing when they entered the building versus when they were coming out of the building. And, mm-hmm. um, thought that was cool. Yeah. Final take on this movie. I am so glad that I rewatched it, and it was a big part of what got me into horror. And um, you know, maybe I can thank or um, be angry at the cousins who showed me this as well as some other things that like scared me as a kid and gave me nightmares but really it was almost like initiation it, it definitely held up and stood the test of time um i was still afraid of chucky i still had really good memory of some of the sort of like key scenes um and so yeah it's it's a really good movie and i'm excited to rewatch the sequels now I am too. So 
especially part two. Because <laughs> that one had the scariest cover for me as a child. And I, and I actually really like part two. So, yeah. It's one of my favorites, I think. So what are we going to watch next time? Next time, we're going to watch a movie that might have come out around the same time as Child's Play. And it very easily could have been one of our first horror movies, but wasn't. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I know it's one that I always saw in that horror section of Blockbuster and looked like it could have been. So we both have always kind of known about it or maybe recognized the cover, Mm -hmm. but haven't seen it. Mm -hmm. And maybe it's geared towards kids. But we really don't know. We think it's geared towards kids. It seems like it seems the movie like that's in the vein kids. of yeah. um, Gremlins or Critters yeah. or something yeah, like that. Is, is Critters. I thought it was Critters. It's not Critters. I, it's, it's Ghoulies. Ghoulies. Yeah, Ghoulies. We're really excited yeah. about this. And it's going to be our gut reaction episode. So mm. we will watch exactly half of the movie, stop it, and then discuss our um, predictions, mm. our gut feelings of what's going to happen. And then we'll watch the rest of the of the of the movie and then come back with our gut reactions, whose predictions were right or wrong. And all of this will be in the same episode. Nice. And yeah, it'll be really fun for those who have seen Ghoulies to kind of watch us maybe get it way wrong, wrong or, you know, trying trying to see or maybe it's the type of movie where they just kind of lay it all out there and there's really not much yeah. to predict. Like, we oh, really don't know, but we're excited to it. find out. Yeah. Yes. We know <laughs> the cover toilet. of the movie. There is a <laughs> toilet with a turd like ghoul and with the, a crop top with a crop top. Pretty yes. Cute. <laughs> and if you uh, follow us on social media, we actually posted a little uh something teaser. A little, little teaser, teaser. little teaser photo uh, yes yeah. um and speaking they, of which yeah, where can they find us yes so um we are on twitter at gutted horror podcast uh we are on instagram at gutted horror podcast and uh we are on youtube at gutted horror podcast mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well Thank you, everyone, for listening and watching. Yes, this has been Child's Play, and it's been really fun. On the next episode.